0: It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullenack and J.C. Sherbert.
1: So, how many of you would say you speak
0: English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son.
2: You play to win the game.
0: Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil.
3: All right, Uh, welcome in inside the Gamecocks, the show J.C. Sherbert, Phil Mullinax here with you on a Monday. Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Phil. somebody
1: got a case of the Mondays. Jeez.
3: Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually fortunate. Carpool duty for me starts tomorrow.
1: Oh, yeah. I uh, kicked mine up this morning, man. Kicked mine up this morning.
3: Unfortunately <laughs> for, for Phil, it, it started today. Uh, so, hey, I take a lot of pride in it, though. School's starting back. That means football's right around the corner, of course. Uh, we're glad that you tuned in today. Apologies for Friday. Some clown in my neighborhood. Ran into like a tran—I guess you call it a transformer box. Some the whole block was out till noon Central Time, uh, but that's how it goes sometimes when you're working from the crib. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, I have a generator, but man, you crank that bad boy up, nobody's gonna be able to hear. Uh, I mentioned about it on the morning monologue today. I said, well, Phil could just do it by himself, and I could just sat, sit there and mouth words but uh <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys would enjoy all that too much nothing against phil or anything but uh no we'll just uh, put you on
1: closed caption everybody's heard you long enough we know what you sound like no. yeah, that's, well, that's <laughs>
3: probably a legitimate thing but anyway sorry about that uh that's uh That was tough because it was our first full week and we didn't get a full weekend. But anyway, uh, they fixed the power. Obviously, we pay enough for it, so it was pretty uh, salty that they didn't get. It's, it's kind of like Duke Power in South Carolina, feel whenever it ices. It's oh, like,
1: yeah.
3: mm-hmm. uh, and, and look, I understand they're trying to get it up. If, if you work for Duke Power and you're offended by that, I'm not trying to say you guys aren't good at your job. I'm just saying every time there's an ice storm, it's like, oh, it's going to be eight days. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the hazards of we'll living down here, man, which is nice because yeah. our neighborhood actually has underground power and utilities. So uh, we, uh, we don't experience a lot of that. Knock on wood.
3: There's a lot of tree, <laughs> trees in your neighborhood, too, Phil. Oh, yeah. So it's So it's kind of a, a woodland area mm-hmm. uh, back in the back there. So uh, thank God.
1: Yeah. Thank your power
3: lines aren't running through that backyard. <laughs> <anymore>. <laughs> well, yeah,
1: you're right. You're right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Nana sports chat line is already heating up. We encourage you guys that are streaming to get in on that. The, I hope consulting mailbag has several questions in it. Uh, so we're obviously going to get to that, but Phil, there's a little bit of a scrimmage this past weekend. Oh, look, they actually played against each other.
1: Not to they, they yeah. bring another team in there and try anything they, out. They,
3: they <laughs> did. So, so we're going to talk all about that and some concerns that I heard the poll question for today. Go answer it on the BigSpur.com. Uh, I did not put it on Twitter. Ooh, shoe buddy. But um, who will lead the Gamecocks in sacks in 2022? It's also on the YouTube page if you guys want to do it. Jordan Birch, Jordan Strong, Brad Johnson, Zach Pickens, or other. Uh, and there's a reason that's the poll question today, but I'll get to that in a second. going to have some trivia and another giveaway today for the Sports chat line exclusively. Uh, so that'll be good. Sawyer Knicks, a mental performance coach. Uh, going to talk about mental health and student athletes, Phil, uh, at the bottom of this hour at 1130. He's going to join us. Uh, certainly looking forward to getting with Sawyer. We've kind of been talking about doing a segment like this for a while. Uh, and it just made sense when we started the show uh, to have a wide variety of topics, folks. We're going to talk to everybody, uh, everybody that we can, everybody that's at least relevant. Uh, and he's going to get into that. Mental health certainly is a big topic. Uh, in our country these days in our society actually overall um and not going to get into the political side of it or as to why uh but also we're going to talk to him about some you know some some good best practices and how it affects student athletes specifically uh because there are some some, some student athletes out there phil i mean the the girl that played for james madison the softball player uh killed herself uh there there's been uh, several instances of student athletes sort of, you know, not getting the help that maybe they need before things get too late. And certainly uh, we all want to, uh, and, and we went through that, we've been through that at South Carolina over the years, Kenny McKinley, OJ Murdoch, uh, you know, come to mind, uh, ironically, both part of Spurrier's first recruiting class here, but uh you know, uh, I think the university and, and most football programs in general recognize the need for that these days and are putting a lot of resources into it. So, Sawyer next coming up at the bottom of the hour, going to talk about the scrimmage, going to talk about Xavier McLeod for the 2,758th time. Uh, and fifty eighth uh, time. And I had another conflict on Sunday. I was going to be on the Tito's and Chicken podcast. By the way, that's a good podcast. My buddy Evan does it. He's got good guests. Uh, go check out that podcast. Uh, so the previous Sunday we did the uh, first half of the schedule. Uh, I don't give game predictions. Uh, I mean, I think it would be really ridiculous of me to give a game prediction on the Texas A and M game um, right now <laughs> without seeing both teams. Uh, I'm not saying that those who do predict are ridiculous or anything like that. I, I like the concept that people like to kind of listen to it and stuff and uh, and all that, but what I do is give scenarios like Carolina could win if. And I'll, I'll tag a score onto there, and then they won't win if. And I'll tag a score onto there. So uh, that last six games of the season is very interesting: A&M, Missouri at Vandy, at Florida, Tennessee, and then at Clemson. So that's uh, that's going to be good. And Phil and I are going to go back and forth. An hour number two, also going to talk about uh, not across the board, but you know, I'm a, a, sort of a lazy take on Spencer Rattler that's out there in the national media. Uh, so you won't want to miss that. But first of all, the scrimmage. Okay. So Shane Beamer addressed the media. Um, and most of you can find that on YouTube. I, I it, it, look, if it's something you guys want us to do, we can pull the audio or video and play it for you and, you know, sit back and, uh, drink a margarita for about 15 minutes and uh you know uh, just kidding i can't imagine myself drinking margaritas and doing the show it would get really sloppy by the end but uh anyway the
1: kids later too I gotta yeah get yeah to yeah you gotta, you
3: gotta, you gotta, <laughs> we're, we're like uh, phil and i are gotta be responsible here but uh you know we, we could do that but i mean you guys can go check out that audio video i don't think that that would be uh, very compelling but he, he talked about the scrimmage and uh he, you know he said hey the offense what on the field, really well the first two times with the Rattler in red zone was a concern. Uh, defense overall got the best of the offense, which is what I was personally hoping. Phil, I, I, uh,
1: same, same. I really,
3: yeah, I, I really, uh, and I, I preach this. It's, it's like I've seen a lot of preseason, uh, in, and I think that after what happened in 2020, where I was overly encouraged about the offense and uh, not so much worried about the defense, I, I think that when your offense is ahead. It's, uh, it, 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 can kind of throw up some red flags, uh, as far as your, the defensive football team goes. Um, of course, not a lot of people in the scrimmage or a lot of people miss the scrimmage. Marshawn Loy, Christian Bill Smith, Josh Van on offense, uh, Jordan Birch, the most significant guy on defense, well, Jordan Birch and Sherrod Green, uh, on defense. So it wasn't really a full scrimmage, uh, but it certainly, um you know, certainly, certainly kind of identified some areas to work with. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if like your thoughts uh, and impressions, you know, after reading all you've consumed about the scrimmage and, you know, scrimmages in general, I mean, look, I, I prefer not to have to talk about a, a football scrimmage over and over and over again and dissect it, but Hey, well, that's what we have to do in college football. There's no preseason games or anything like that.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, it, I guess the most concerning thing, or at least not concerning, but the one thing that pops out is that list of injuries that we had zero knowledge of coming into this. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it, you know, significant uh, or not? The good thing is, you know, Coach Beamer says we're, you know, nothing's, you know, drastic. It's all going to be, you know, fairly quickly. We're going to have guys back today uh, or by midweek, which is good to hear. Um, But there again, it's like, I don't, I don't mind not seeing them or hearing about them being at scrimmage, JC, because, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, if you've got a minor ankle tweak or something like that, let's not make it worse now because you're going to be needed in three weeks.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I, that, that's my theory on it. Now I'm, I'm going to say this. I, I do understand. And I, I said this on the morning monologue, like with this fan base uh and I, I try not to, we're going to talk mental health here at the bottom of the hour with Sawyer next. And so I don't want to, I'll repeat this. Like I said on the monologue, I don't like to use the term PTSD even sort of as far as an analogy goes, just because there are people suffering from that legitimately uh, out there. Um, I'll call it, uh, I don't know, skeptical, I guess. <laughs> uh, the skepticism of the fan base. And uh, I've, I've told the Xavier Leggett story over and over again. You know, nobody even knew he was out for the season until Muschamp was fired. <laughs> um So uh, some things left over from the must champion era uh, Mm -hmm. with with the injury report, I think, gives people uh, calls for concern. But, uh, you know, Beamer's been pretty straightforward uh, with the whole thing. And and what you don't want to have happen, obviously, uh, is for a guy to be rushed back and then he re-injures it. And that's that's the bottom line. You know, Luke Doty last year, I, I don't think he was necessarily rushed back. But with that type of injury, you don't stay off of it. You know, you're out there playing full speed in a game uh, or even in a scrimmage. You, you obviously run the risk, a higher percentage of risk uh, of re-injuring it and, and turning it into something that could be season ending. And uh, none of those guys that we mentioned there need to be out for the year <laughs> at yeah. all. Uh, you know, especially a guy like Chirac, two guys like Birch and Green on defense. You know, there's just not a ton of proven depth behind them. And I say proven depth. they are guys behind them uh but you know are they guys you can count on i don't know you know that, that that's my uh bottom line there um people yeah, are and even g-
1: as talented as you are the jc they they may not be ready week one
3: <laughs> yeah exactly you know i mean and and look i uh i'll say this too people ask about the offensive line my understanding is they played pretty solid uh and, and so here's a double-edged sword right and this is why I've, covering scrimmages will, will if you overthink scrimmages you'll go crazy i mean it'll, it's not gonna uh it, it, it's something that you have to kind of uh, be careful about in college football <laughs> uh, but uh you know you look at it and, and and so what i was told was if there was a concern uh with the scrimmage it was the pass rush so there you go so so somebody now you know, Birch wasn't there, but somebody's blocking somebody if you're past, if you can't get to the quarterback. And you know, so they they kept Rattler upright pretty well. And then that's interesting too because of Beamer's uh comment about well, Rattler needs to get rid of the ball quicker because those could have been sacked. So maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You know, uh you talk to different observers. Eight different times about a scrimmage, you can get eight different things. So,
1: yeah, right, because uh, you don't and, know how many times they're sending just four. Maybe they got you know five guys coming. You know, if they're actually going to put a real big pass rush on, yeah, I mean we don't know the ins and end and, and, of this. and this is why coaches too
3: watch the film. They, they after games, are always like, I have to watch the film. I have to watch the film. I have to watch the film because you can't watch all eleven mm-hmm. players live, uh, you know, at the same time. You know, and and that's another reason why coaches sit in the box so they can get a better viewpoint of all 11 and, and to see what the opponent's doing and what they're doing and all that. But that's why you always hear them say grade the film uh, because you go back and you review it, you know, and then you're like, Oh, okay, well here's what happened here. And sometimes that's fundamentally different th- than what you think happened during the, the football game. You know, and, and I heard everybody from Steve Spurrier to Will Muschamp, to Shane Beamer, everybody that's been here, uh, Lou Holtz going all the way back. Uh, they'll say one thing. After a game, it looked like this, this, and this. These guys need to play better or whatever. And then they come back and like, oh, well, wait a minute. You know, especially like the offensive line. You'll hear, hey, they need to block better. The blocking needs to be better, blah, blah, blah. Well, then they go back and watch you know, it. Like, well, you know, the line did this, this. This was a running back that missed this. This quarterback missed that. This guy missed this assignment. Um, and they don't know that live um, until they go back and watch the film. So that's why, you know, you get kind of different. Uh, viewpoints. I, and I'll say this, South Carolina needs to be able to rush the passer this year, and that's why I put the poll question up: who's going to lead the team in sacks. Uh, is it going to be Birch? Is it going to be Strong? Uh I, ex- I have expectations for those guys, right? Mm-hmm. Uh Terrell Dawkins coming from NC State, expectations there, too. Um, well,
1: you're going to but- have to have that. You know, you can't rely on turnovers year over year because there's going to be some regression to the mean you got to figure even if you're you know you want to stay in plus territory with turnovers but you can't count on that uh but you can count on disrupting a play or getting to the quarterback that's the stuff that you need to rely on exactly
3: And, and i think carolina is suited they have guys that are capable individually it's just got to work um you know, and then I look at the D tackles, and 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 Beamer had a pretty good comment where he said, "We're six deep at D tackle. That's going to be a problem for some teams this year." Uh, and I agree. Uh, I mean, that's an important position. Anytime you can roll your big guys inside, they don't get tired; they're fresh in the fourth quarter. The Brad Lawing era as the D line coach at South Carolina should show people that because, you know, Lawing didn't have—I don't ever remember him being six deep at D tackle. But what he'd do, you know, he'd take a Travian Robertson out or a Lottie Ashboy out or something like that, roll in like an Aldrick Fordham for a few plays and get them rest. Then by the fourth quarter, you know, there are very few games South Carolina's defensive line was gassed or, or or beaten or anything like that. There were a few, but not not, a, not very many. And I think that's a big key. Uh, even Muschamp said it when he was here. When the big guys on defense get gassed, it's hard to get them back. And that and that's true. So it's good that. They have that type of depth at D tackle. Uh, certainly Zach Pickens expectations are way high. Uh, I personally think Boogie Huntley uh, will probably start beside him. Uh, MJ Webb is still there. He's 175 years old, like Brad Johnson and uh, uh, Sherrod Green. You know, those guys uh, are about to pick up their social security checks, but uh, that's a good thing. They're grown men, you know, grown men in football. That that says something. That says something. Um, mm. You know TJ Sanders and Nick Barrett are young, but they're supposed to be really, really good. And then there's Taka Hemingway, who I didn't even mention, so uh, that's good. Uh, you know, Jimmy Lindsey has an excellent group to work with uh, on the interior uh, of that defensive line, but that's why the poll question is what it is who's going to lead them in sacks? Could it, you know, could it be a Brad Johnson from the linebacker position in, in certain situations? Uh, there's this question about who's going to start uh, at linebacker. So if it ends up being Sherrod Green and Muhammad Kaba, which I, I If I had to bet, that would probably be my guess right now. Kaba's having a great preseason. They need more speed. Maybe Brad comes in as a situational pass rusher from the linebacker position. They send him from all over the place, and and, and that's really what he's good at. Now, at the same time, flip side of that, he's a senior. He's one of the older guys. Uh, He's playing the same position for the first time back-to-back years, I think, in his career at South Carolina. Um, So let's see how he does. I mean, it may be that he can't be beaten now. So it may be that Green and Kaba rotate. But, uh, you know, you sort of look at it, and and Clayton White's defense is designed, Phil, uh, if you're not getting the pressure from your front four, he does have some exotic blitzes and stunts and things like that to manufacture that. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot easier to get if you're trying to get pressure with your front, <laughs> and you, <laughs> you can get pressure with four. That's one of the best luxuries in in, in football. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: right. yeah. But with five DBs, you know, as your typical setup is in this defense is like, you can always bring a safety in the box, you know, or rush somebody off the edge corner blitz. I mean, we've seen him do it last year, just different things. Jalen Foster in the backfield, you know, things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's good. The one thing JC that I really liked coming out of this scrimmage and what, you know, coach Beamer was talking about are the young guys that he was talking about on defense. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, the, the fact that there aren't Two solid starters for the two linebacker spots is good. That that's something we're going to have to decide. It's <laughs> yeah. not a luxury we've had here. <laughs> oh no, yeah,
3: you just sort of put it in right. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. I'll pencil these guys in, but yeah, yeah, he's
1: the best one we got on paper. So he's.
3: that <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll never forget champs. first year. AJ Turner started that first game at Vandy at running back, and he was like, Oh no, he's our he's our best guy, you know. Uh, and then A.J. ended up being a really good back, and I hated what happened to him at the end. He played corner all year, and was hurt, never played. It was awful. But, uh, you know, Rico Dowdle comes along. Tyson Williams comes along. And, and, and they still, because of injuries, needed A.J. from time to time. He certainly uh, had great games against Florida and Tennessee during his career uh, at running back. But, uh, yeah, sometimes you just have to go with what you got, and uh, that's not the case at linebacker this year stone blanton uh has been a guy they've talked about since he arrived this summer at linebacker the four-star kid out of mississippi huge recruiting win we talk often Phil, about how hard it is to go into somebody's backyard and beat them on a player uh gamecocks went into mississippi and beat mississippi state on this kid oh yeah um, and that's not easy to do these days i mean used to be it wasn't that difficult to get a player out of mississippi now since uh since Hugh Freeze and Dan Mullen were at both schools out there, respectively, it, it's changed uh, pretty significantly as far as how hard it is. So, like kind of like South Carolina, you know, it's not the not the 1990s anymore where Tennessee and Florida State and everybody else just comes in and gets players,
1: take everything so, you got, yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah. And, and Stone is uh, impressed in workouts, and you know, Donovan Westmoreland's another kid that got there early. Uh, linebacker was committed to Georgia. Uh, came with South Carolina. I'd, I'm going to be fair to Georgia people and, and not call it a true flip. Uh, you could chalk it up that way technically, but, you know, Georgia was probably going to move on from him. Uh, they just kind of let it happen naturally. But, uh, I mean, there's a reason I took it to begin with, man, because he, he played great in the spring. Uh, another one of those linebackers that can get after the passer because uh, he played a lot of rush end in high school. So you got him. Uh, Debo Williams is one of the most – uh, the biggest personalities on the team. He goes a million miles an hour all the time. Uh, you know, two, two block punts. The first game he played as a game cock, one of those Delaware kids. Uh, so, so linebacker gonna be fine, but yeah, competition, Phil, I think makes everybody better. And then we're gonna talk about Rattler, uh, in the second hour. And I, I apologize. I just saw my thumb hit my mic, and that's a, I know that makes noise. Uh, I'm gonna try to be extremely still. Uh, kind of like, uh, remember in, uh, the Green mile, when he's like, You'd be so still, so still, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give Mr. Jingles, my cornbread, so um, and uh, so that's what I need to be, but uh, anyway, um, you know, we're gonna talk about Rattler and, and some narratives out there about him, but I think it's very positive. Call me crazy, and, and I said this since Spencer Rattler uh, committed to South Carolina. The best thing they could have in a Luke Doty is for Spencer Rattler to be there because Luke. Got thrown into the fire early. Uh, well, the first thing that happened was that they were talking about him playing receiver and getting on the field. So that's another load of things that you have to go with uh, as a young player during the pandemic. Uh, didn't even know if there was a season uh, extended all season. You know, his first time in college, or you know, uh, after the spring. So so Luke goes out there, learns that, doesn't play a whole lot, and then. Uh, ends up taking over the last three games of the year. So, you know, thrown to the fire then. Last year was going to be the starter. Uh, it was known probably that Luke would take his lumps and be up and down. Uh, foot injury slows him down. <laughs> uh, and then uh, another foot injury puts him out for the year yep. uh, against Vanderbilt. And Zeb Nolan had to come in save the day. But uh, I, I felt like what Luke needed was a calming period. Because uh, that's a lot of adversity to strike for a young player, especially at that position. It's also a lot of pressure uh, when you're sitting there and uh, the starting quarterback for an SEC school, an in-state kid that was highly rated. Uh, on top of that, uh, and I, and I think what happens happened with him a little bit was the the fairy tale scenario started coming into play. Uh, and mm-hmm. what I mean by the fairy tale scenario is. Uh, a Steve Tannehill or Jake Bentley type of situation, uh where a, a, the young guy comes in, lights it up, turns the season around. That just does not happen. <laughs> no, right, right. It, it usually it usually turns out a little bit more like Mikhail Goodman if, if you remember the first year of the Holtz era, uh rather than you know what Jake did or or what uh you know what Steve Tannehill did as far as energizing the team and, and, and leading them to a finish uh, that everybody was proud of. So, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I think those expectations kind of got heaped on to Luke uh, a little bit, but it, he's doing really well, clearly the number two guy. Um And, uh, hey, uh, y- you need a backup quarterback. And hopefully the Gamecocks don't need a backup this year, except for, you know, when they, they
1: uh, right. – Mop-up well, duty, yeah. Mop-up yeah. duty, <laughs> you know.
3: Hopefully not uh, getting blown out duty, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, I, I think that bodes well for the future and for Luke Doty as a player. Um, you know, that's – I've felt for a long time that was what was best for him. Even before it was Spencer Rattler, uh, Phil, I thought that, uh, you know, you, you sort of look at it. They were talking about getting Max Johnson, who's probably going to be the starter at a and the kid from LSU. I thought any kind of portal quarterback – they could come in and start right away. Not a guy that's going to battle for it, but a guy that's going to clearly be your starter uh would be huge, you know, for oh, Luke.
1: Yeah, yeah and, he uh, gets to, you know, sit there and learn. And I think you really hit it with the pressure aspect of it is the pressure is off of Luke right now. He just – all he does is focus on himself getting better, you know, uh, having that competition during practice. But, you know, it's not like he's just <laughs> – staring at you like a deer in the headlights because he's started Georgia again, you know?
3: (laughs) Yeah, there he goes. Get him in there, you know. Come on, boy. Throw him to the wolves. You're up. You're up. Hey, give me Dodie. Oh, man. Uh, But I think that's good because he is a talented guy. I think he's got a lot uh, of ability that, you know, when you hear the term, like, put it all together, uh, I think he needs to put it all together. So that's uh, that's good with their Nana's Porch. Uh, chat box, uh, gonna get to these uh, here pretty quick. Um, Lance says, "What up? Finally got to tune in, uh, live between uh, been at Fort Jackson with drill
1: sergeant duty." Oh,
3: all right. Well, thank you for thank your you. service. Yeah,
1: thank you for your service, Lance. That's
3: awesome. Uh, uh, should we pull out the Full Metal Jacket for? <laughs> You will not do anything with my <laughs> core. Uh, he, uh, Fort Jackson's Army, though, not, not yeah. Marines, but uh, little, little Jack. I, I watched that the other day. My fiance had never seen that. Uh, oh, really? Film, that first scene, and you, we can't repeat much of it. No. <laughs> but uh, she was like, whoa, God. You know, and I was like, yeah, that's the guy from Saving Silverman. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Coach from Saving Silverman. Yep. So uh, Lance says, I have duty the day of the game. Uh So, you know, well, I'll be around 7 p.m. Heck yeah. Rick says, good morning to all. I feel like Mayor McCheese is to JC what Superman was to Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. I think he should be referenced on every show, either visually by mention or by mention. Well, Rick, you took care of it this time, buddy. Yep. Love Mayor McCheese. Jordan says, any word on Dak, Kerry and Joyner? It's not Dak, by the way, Jordan. I'm not. I'm not picking on you or anything here. Uh, He never has been Dak. Somebody started calling him that. I don't know why. I try to stay away from nicknames for players until, Mm. you know, I don't know, just because you can get into – he he goes by either DK or Carrion. Um, Clint says if you heard anything new on Aiden Williams, I think he's committing soon. I'd be surprised if he picked South Carolina. Uh, Billy says very encouraging what Beamer had to say about Luke Doty. Hopefully he'll be ready when Rattler's done. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think it's only a positive. Steve says, I've always thought Luke would be good in time circumstances and talent around him have hurt his development so far. And I, I, those circumstances, Steve are not to be downplayed in my opinion. I mean, that's tough. Uh, and, and I think that our, this fan base here, our audience here, uh, because of some things that have happened with freshman quarterback in the past. that I mentioned, uh, you know, uh Tanny Hill and Bentley coming in and, and, and turning it around. You know, sometimes you think, oh well, yeah. And and there's been other freshmen to do that too, like come in and kind of change uh at other positions. Alshon Jeffrey uh didn't really play a whole lot to the Kentucky game in 09. Uh for a brief time in 03, Demetrius Summers uh came off the bench and and, and played well. So uh, you know, it, 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 we've seen that before, and so, but I, are those expectations fair? I don't know. And and then playing with the broken foot last year, obviously he was not as fast as he can be.
1: Yeah. Do uh, you think, uh, JC, that Doty's development this year will have an impact on whether or not uh, Beamer and Satterfield try to recruit a 2023 incoming quarterback, or just kind of let it sit there, look to the portal? Because right now we don't have one. <laughs>
3: I would think that you know, and, and there's always a chance Dante Reno uh yeah, reclassifies, and yeah. then you go you go find a 2024 one because I don't think they're getting Jalen Bradford anymore, the kid mm-hmm. from uh uh chapin that with img more on that later. Uh, uh, that's kind of some news, so I'll, I'll get into that later. But uh, you know, all that good stuff. And and Brian says I heard uh, Christian Bill Smith was in a boot, and well, that's pretty I wouldn't look into that as, as it being more serious. If it's an ankle, they want to stabilize it and all that good stuff. So there's a nanosports chat box, uh, keep it flowing. We got to get to a break. We're going to have Sawyer Knicks coming up uh, to talk about mental health and student athletes should be a really good segment should be very informative right after these messages on inside the Gamecocks, the show.
0: today tony pope state farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area once again tony pope state farm will help you mix and match perfectly call 843-851-2222 or visit tonypope.com today like a good neighbor state farm is there
3: if you're a listener you know i feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services cindy Sirfoss is your go-to person Sear Foss of Callwall Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a diehard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue, contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email Sirfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Cox podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271. Foss Searfoss of Caldwell Banker King.
4: These folks are incredible. ihelpconsulting.com. How can I help you?
3: Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity? If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf or even if you're looking to refine your swing,
1: All right, all right. Are we back? We are back. Welcome back, everybody. We're joined by Sawyer Nix. Awesome, uh, Sawyer. How's it going today, man?
2: Morning. Doing pretty well. I am uh, on day three of COVID quarantine, so uh, <sighs> so going through that. Um, wow. So, uh, I'll be I'll be out on Wednesday. Uh, so tested positive on on Friday. So going through that. Otherwise, doing okay. <laughs> well, uh, I hope you're feeling well. That's, That's what I'm going to say. The uh,
3: well, I don't know. I don't know if she has COVID. I, she maybe has a flu or a sinus infection or something. Because yep. I kind of feel like if if she had had COVID, because this has been going on since Saturday, I would probably be like, <laughs> I'd probably have it, right? you know i mean that's uh, that's just kind of the how it goes <laughs> it's incubating it's <laughs> just incubating they, what, in there what yeah. they say about the, the the new uh the new variant it's very very um i guess uh contagious well, well sorry you work in mental health uh you have your own uh mental health coaching business you're a mental performance coach uh kind of just tell us what all your job entails right now uh, obviously mental health is a very vast topic uh that folks I don't know. I think it's almost been, uh, you know, uh, granularized into a, like a buzzword kind of deal. Um, yep. But what I'd like to do is, is, you know, you talk about sort of exactly what, you know, uh, you do and, and, and kind of your side of it and, and sort of what you work on on a daily basis.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I do. I have a private practice in Anderson, so I'm an upstate person not far from the the Orange School about 30 minutes from from there um, so certainly i have people walk in my office and the first picture they see is a big hand holding a gamecock helmet with a you know uh, the block seal and the white helmet and they're like oh i'm like you yeah, know it's okay it's okay so uh certainly enjoy doing that day to day i see kids teens couples i do some marriage counseling do some depression anxiety a lot of that broader subject stuff the big part of what i like to do and what i do is working with athletes sometimes that's athletes who are injured uh, athletes who are ending their career athletes who are transitioning who face personal struggles things like that are some of the things that i do in in engaging those i've worked with some teams i work with professional athletes on lower levels so I've enjoyed a lot of that aspect of, of what I do. It certainly keeps me on my, on my toes for sure. So
3: one thing I caught while well, you're talking about that right there, that, that kind of sticks out to me sometimes. And, and it's something, all right. So it, it, it's something I cannot relate to, uh, but I can in a way. I um, had it, it added in, I didn't suffer any kind of anguish because of it. But, you know, my dad told me when I was a kid, you know, you quit playing football. We all quit playing football at certain levels, right? And a bunch of us drop off as the levels get higher. (laughs) And and it's not the type of game where you can just go hang out with like, like me and Phil don't get together and drink beer and go play 11 on 11 in the
2: backyard. (laughs) Um, Right. For good reason. Right.
3: But but man, I'll be honest. I still have dreams about suiting up and playing, you know. And uh, sometimes I have, I'm like my age and playing, I'm worried about my eligibility in high school, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm like in high school and I'm 45, and I'm like, I'm the old guy, they're probably not going to be eligible for the playoffs if they catch me, but I'm doing good. But I don't worry about my health and all that. But it, it, it's true, uh, even like with me, I cannot imagine being a professional or being someone that played at a higher level and that the game was just part of their life for 20 years yep. and all of a sudden it's gone. Um it so, so Talk about that. It sounds to me like it could be trauma. It could be a little trauma. Thing.
2: It, it could be very difficult. I've worked with some uh, lower level golfers trying to make it on the tour. You know, there's no guaranteed contracts in that. So it's pretty mm-hmm. much you make or you break it. It's not a, we'll give you a year or two years, or we'll give you, 75,000 just to be on the practice squad on NFL roster. This is their next meal, uh, somewhat literally, is, is based on: all right, do I make this cut this tournament? Do I hang around? Uh, does my injury limit me from doing that? Or do I go into business sales or other topics? So, certainly, that's something very, very challenging. One of the things I think that Coach Beamer is doing an excellent job of, and certainly hiring Derek moore as a home run hire is the culture he's creating is he is going to put them in an excellent position as much as possible to compete and that's one of their key you know they have several key aspects or focuses i don't know what they call them values maybe key values is the Mm -hmm. right word you know compete love gratitude i think gratitude is that certainly the the highlight video last week of them walking to the top of Williams Bryce and kind of saying, hey here's what's going on And yeah, I think that's what it takes. I think it's saying yeah I'm grateful to play this game. I'm grateful to get an opportunity to get an education in case I, I do get significantly injured and my career in, ends. Um, certainly I was at in Williams Bryce uh, to see Marcus Lattimore get his injury. Um, I remember that very very vividly. I remember the second injury as well. And he's just one of the examples of, of people who have done well moving on that their career didn't develop like it hoped. Certainly, I was just taking note of the athletes that we're counting on this year for the Gamecocks who have had some kind of injury. Obviously, Lord, uh, Marshawn Lloyd, you know, coming back, Van Kroger recently, Gerard Green, Mokaba, Dylan Wanham, Jordan Birch, Marion Brown, Gene Bell, Luke Doty, the and Joyner. Jordan Strong, Austin Sogner, Tyreek Johnson, Brad Johnson, Terrell Dawkins, Rick Sandage, Christian Beale-Smith, Corey Rucker. And those that's not even an exhaustive list. You know, that's just a very (laughs) Mm -hmm. short snapshot. Now, some of it is some bumps and bruises and things like that. But most of those I mentioned missed game time. Pretty much all those that I mentioned missed game time and or had some serious treatment, possibly even surgery. Mm -hmm. So I think part of – part of what I think is important for players of all levels, whether it's high school, college is, you know, football is great. It's, it's, I love it. It's a great game. Um, I love my job, but certainly I have other things that I enjoy. I enjoyed some hobbies, my family, uh, certainly Gamecock, I'm passionate about that. So I think for, for those that are in football, it's where are your other things, certainly they have a recording studio there in the mm-hmm. facility. Um, and I think that's one of the things that they try and do. They teach cooking classes and nutrition. So again, the culture is very developmental and we want to set you up to be successful as you can, as a game cop student athlete, making touchdowns, making tackles, interceptions, pancakes, all those things. But also we want to put you in a position to where you are as a whole person developed and that is where people are able to kind of bounce back and have some success. From, from injury and they're able to you know that doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt it does but those that are most successful whether it's short term or long term certainly marshawn lloyd he you mentioned the, the spin move jc he looks great and i look forward to seeing that um in the first game versus georgia state so uh, there's lots of athletes that are bouncing back it's not easy to do very very challenging i think it's fans sometimes they they misunderstand well gosh he just had a little bummed ankle why is he you know, coaches said he's good. He doesn't look good. Um, so I think that's that's part of it. It's it's a tough process and it's much, much tougher. And I think sometimes fans see or understand.
3: Yeah, I agree. I was uh I was with you. I, I was not at Williams Rice for the second Lattimore injury. I was actually in Starkville, Mississippi in twenty eleven for the first one. And uh, you know, Marcus had not had any injuries you know I mean I, I saw him take I saw a game against St. Thomas Aquinas when he was at Burns uh and he happened to fumble a bunch that game for some reason but man I mean just took some shots I mean that kid took incredible shots and uh kept on going and uh that was certainly sad but we're, we're all proud of Marcus and uh yeah. you know and, and what he's accomplished and he he's you know and I told him one time I said man I think uh we were just talking uh it was that you know after he had left South Carolina. I said, you know, I think you're calling maybe beyond football. Like you may you may impact more lives uh than you would have had you played in the NFL. You
2: know, Absolutely.
3: The NFL. And I honestly believe that. Um, you know, uh, politics and stuff like that aside, some people right. don't I guess politics, but what that's not that's not the point. Right. Um so, you know, I have a friend now, uh or I have a couple of friends that sometimes have hard times letting go of things. <laughs> uh, and I've had a hard time with that too. So I can't imagine like, uh, a, an athlete and you mentioned, I think we're trying to say a balance, having a balance in life. It's not just about right. one thing. I think that's very important. Um, you know, I have my hobbies, uh, you know, unfortunately my hobby became my job and I love that part of it. Cause I don't have to have like a, what I call a real job. Right. And, uh, and so, you know, I had to kind of get into some other things. So I, I like to write, and I like politics and, and movies and stuff like that. But uh, you know, that sometimes people go through something traumatic where they lose something, right? And everything they have in life that they enjoy doing is related to that one thing. How do you break? F- uh, and I'm sure this applies to football uh, when when it's finally over. How do you break free of that if you hadn't prepared to have that balance?
2: Well, a, a big comparison that's used is often as if you lost, literally lost someone, you know, mm-hmm. whether you've had a family member, if you lost a job, if you got injured, there's a very much a comparison between that getting injured, finishing your last year of, of sports, it, it's almost like a death. Um, so there's some stages, that just kind of go through with our clients, that's stages of grief process, part of it's shock denial, it's kind of the first stage that goes to anger then to bargaining, then to depression, then to acceptance. It's usually the flow of how things go. So sometimes let's say someone uh, lost their job. So I I had a contract with the state and my contract ended with COVID. I was in my 13th year maybe of, of counseling and had this contract and been established, getting benefits, all those things. All of a sudden contract comes up, COVID year boom, you're done. So I'm having to make a shift, figure out how, how do I get covered benefits for my family. Those things happen. So part of it was, you know, a little bit of denial, shock, oh my gosh, it's kind of over. Um, bargaining, okay, well, is there a way that I can, you know, make ends meet? What can I do to kind of keep this going? And then go through different stages. And some are not as intense as others. But I think that's the process that a lot of people go through. I think one of the things that we can do So, some tips that we can do. One, I would say keep our mind on where the goal is. I think that's important. Whatever our goal is, if it's in in work, okay, our our job is to be in sales. Okay, well, maybe this sales job didn't work out. Okay, let me shift, go to something different. Uh, Maybe I'm a a caretaker. Okay, how do I? I can continue using those skills just in a different way. So, sometimes it's trying to, to reapply those things. Remember what's what's our main goal, and that goes back to the broader picture. You know, part of our main goal is is in, in our work and our family, but it's also to kind of get that bigger picture. And I think it's also limiting some of our expectations too. I think we go through, and then all of a sudden we're hit. And it's like, oh man, I, I didn't. You know, we get blindsided, and that happens. But day to day, how do we kind of limit our expectations if if the players? going through fall camp have this expectation i'm not not, i'm not going to get injured i'm not going to get injured i'm not going to miss time i'm going to be great i'm going to have the best year ever and all of a sudden injured bam you know i think it's very tough so one experience that i had a couple of months ago uh, maybe two months ago so i have a almost five month old in the household and i have a six-year-old in the household so i had a long exhausting day at work came home my wife the plan was she was going to have dinner i had some later appointments so it was oh great i'll walk in have some supper see the kids help out with bath time da da walk in kid's screaming and crying <laughs> 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 supper's not done <laughs> are everywhere this is your everywhere you know so it's kind of like oh whoa, whoa, whoa. so my my anxiety um i say anxiety frustration level anxiety tension Uh, it shot up pretty rapidly. Um, So one of the things that we have is is like a balance. You know, we have our emotions and our thinking. And if our emotions go up, our thinking goes down. So one of the first things I did was, all right, let me grab a breath. And so I think that's one of the first things we do. We go in the morning, all of a sudden we get in our car, flat tire. Oh. Uh, You know, it's going going to ruin the day. All It's the worst. Grab a breath, grab a breath okay what's my goal all right i'm okay and i I literally had to do that here i am talking to people about that and then i'm having to apply that to myself and it it, i mean it changed that 30 seconds of me stopping taking a breath and regrouping mentally the rest of my evening because if i would have you know my emotions really taken over things would have not gone well it would have been conflict with kids conflict with wife why isn't this happening? Why isn't this done? Why are they doing, you know, all that stuff. But just taking a break. All right. 30 seconds. All right. All right. now. All right. I can't do all this tonight. Can't fix everything. I think that's another thing. We can't. Sometimes we think things are great or things are bad. And usually our days are not like that. Usually things are not great and things are not awful. Usually it's in the middle. So if we can kind of say, all right, pause for a second. Take a breath we regroup. All right. What, what can I do right now in this moment? And for me, it's like, all right, well, I'm going to ask my wife, what does she need? And <laughs> can I go down from there. And she was like, help with more of the kids. Great. And I was able to kind of bring down my emotional level. So I didn't yell at anybody or take it out on anybody or give me spankings that didn't need to be given and you know all that stuff. So I was able to just kind of dial it down a notch. All right. Refocus. And that's another aspect is kind of using that self-talk and and being persistent and not getting stuck. We're going to go through tough days. We're going to go through flat tires. We're going to go through people bumping us and rear-ending us. We're going to go through awful work meetings. So part of it is how do we not get stuck? And part is just like, all right, we take a deep breath. What's the big goal? What am I trying to focus on and think about how we can kind of get back on that task and not get stuck in a ditch, which is sometimes where, where we don't want to end up. And that's where things snowball and get worse. And we become more irritable and more frustrated more depressed and more anxious. So yeah. our circumstances aren't going to get magically fixed, but in the midst of that, until they do what, what can we do?
1: Right. And so you're, uh, you know, kind of in that vein. And, and since you work with athletes, uh, you know, primarily i guess um how much are you seeing an uptick of these players uh coming to you and seeking you know non performance or non you know career related issues with you through you know the whole destigmatization with mental health are you seeing an uptick in these guys just coming to you for that day to day stuff
2: yes i would certainly say so certainly for younger athletes there's parental pressure um, um you know, I have, I know some athletes that the idea of year-round baseball, or year-round soccer, year-round sports is, is, it blows my mind that people are throwing the amount of money and energy that they're taking. Um, and I don't want to go too much on that, that topic, but, but that's one of the things that certainly uh, student athletes come and they're like, I'm just, I'm just burned out or I'm just stressed. And they may be anxious and it may be appearing in their performance, but then it's also appearing in other areas in schools. Certainly schools getting started back handling that the pressures of that social media, all those other things. So certainly there's sometimes people will come to me just for those other things. And sometimes they'll initially come to me and say it's a sport thing, but all of a sudden, well, a sport thing, but it also appears elsewhere too. So I do see a a lot of that in in the staff uh, at Carolina, just to let you know, they have four staff. Uh, One's a medical doctor who's a psychiatrist, two are full-time professors, and then one uh, is a full-time mental health person, actually a fifth. There's one other person that's part-time. So while there are there appears to be some support they are tapped out they are maximized you know so i know within carolina athletics that there's there's a high demand there um and I, and I think administration their long-term goal is to kind of beef that up but certainly when you have nil and you have videos of, uh, you know i saw this video yesterday alabama player you know the train table huge ribeye steak and use grabbing it you know they have to balance those things and you always say well you know mine's the most important because everybody says that and that's a hard job that they have to figure out but certainly that's something that's it is a is a big topic and I, and I hope that coverage can be can be not only for the gamecocks but for other student athletes that need to be seen as well absolutely and mm-hmm. then we're,
3: we're going to have you on several times and uh you know probably just to address a mental health topic. Um, And and yeah, Carolina does do, they have maximized, uh, you know, what they're kept, but I I think, a guy like Derek Moore, uh, you know, who I've known for forever is a huge part of all that. Um, And and I think that, you know, they'll continue to, uh, to build that portion out. And I think we'll see it in places like Alabama and, uh, Georgia and just about just Clemson wherever you know, you name the program I, it's too important to kind of let go by the wayside all right so you know let's take it back to performance on the field right and and you mentioned you know your day gets sidetracked by this that or the other I'm of the belief um we've got about four minutes here to get your answer on it uh that the teams that play the best are the teams that when that adversity hits in football and Derek actually always says football is an allegory of life. And I, and I believe there's probably no game that is as much. Um, I'm probably a little biased about that because I love football, but uh, you know, I, uh, I do believe that. And I think, you know, when you, when you think about, you know, some of the better teams, Steve Spurrier had here or he had in his career, they always just Florida, South Carolina, wherever they just kept playing Duke. They just kept playing. Uh, they get hit in the jaw or what? I mean, every seemed like every single game. But Florida, the other team would get up seven nothing, and then he would figure out how to call plays and, and, and kill them. But, you know that that adversity and learning how to deal with that adversity. Uh, I think a lot of times is the difference between winning and losing. Your thoughts?
2: Well, I think you use the key word learning. You know, um, athletes come. I'll, I'll say Gamecocks. We'll we'll kind of go specific. They they go. They arrive on campus with a lot of physical skills, and some of them have the, the mental capacity, but I think the staff does an excellent job, again, going back to culture that, that Coach Beamer, at least from what I've seen Coach Beamer is developing, is the putting them in positions. He's talking about changing practice up. He's talking about doing different things so that they can be flexible. I think when things are so routine and all of a sudden you get hit, that that's when it's a challenge. But I think being flexible, And also going back to the learning aspect, we have to learn things. Um, I've had to learn how to, you know, I got comfortable with my six-year-old. And all of a sudden, boom, another kid, you know, oh, boy, it kind of hit the reset button. And and I kind of realized, okay, I got to learn. So I think we're always in a learning environment, learning experience. And I think that's one of the things that that the players – In order to perform at their best, they have to learn. They have to grow. They have to develop. And thank goodness they have, you know, fall camp to do a lot of that. Certainly, you can't ever simulate a week one game in fall (laughs) practice. (laughs) One of the things, I, if I was a football czar for a day, I would say, all right, let's take one of the, the FCS opponents and let's have that as a preseason game and not count against the schedule. And let's take away that. During the regular season, so I would say no playing FCS schools during the regular season. Let's take a a game versus an FCS opponent preseason, and that would be a warm up. So um, I don't know what idea you'd like uh, there, but
3: I think I'd I'd definitely be down with that. Uh, You know, we we talked about it here. Actually, it's funny you brought it up because we talked about this earlier about no scrimmages or no uh, right, you know, no exhibitions, but what happens when uh wafford plays uh auburn and beats them in the scrimmage and they fire harson <laughs> after they lost to Wofford in the scrimmage <laughs> you know just because people are so yeah but no, I, I get it that's why coaches don't want it cuz you could lose you would lose and right, you could right. lose the scrimmage yeah. uh and everybody hates you and then uh I mean, they'd almost have to not keep score. Right. would be. like yeah. ASO soccer. Like, give them orange
2: slices afterwards or something. But, uh, <laughs> it'd be, yeah, it'd be tough, but figure out a way, again, just to, to be flexible and learn. S-
3: simulate that adversity. And, and th- th- yeah. there's not another level of football that doesn't play a scrimmage. I mean, our our uh, kid going into ninth grade, he's on the, the C team at Lockport Township High School in Illinois, go Porters. Um, he's got a scrimmage next Friday. You know, that's the C team. That's the freshman team. Right starting at guard, by the way, very proud of him. But, uh, you know, it's like you don't get assimilated at all. And in college football, you're just kind of thrown to the wolves. I think that's sometimes why, even though there's not a lot of upsets in week one, we don't always know uh, about everybody in week one based on that performance. Like last year, everybody thought Georgia's offense was going to be
1: i think we may have just lost jc yeah. so
2: <laughs> well uh, one last thing i wanted to kind of do and yeah man uh, mention this contacted you i noticed that caroline rise certainly has the new hats uh that came in uh, mm-hmm. so one of the things i wanted to do was have people reach out through nana's chat box um, through contacts either asking questions or giving comments and also reaching out through the the non-live Access polls, I guess that's um, at yeah. inside the game, Cox. Yep, or, or I help
1: consulting mailbag. Yeah, yep. definitely. Yes. Yeah, we'd love to so field any definitely questions. I would like here, to sure. see
2: people engage and interact that way. Uh, I'm one who listens to things via Spotify, so I don't catch the show live uh, mm-hmm. just because I'm seeing people and working and all those things. But I would love to see people um, just reach out. And so I'd like to give away, you know, and I'll catch up with JC either a shirt or a hat for people that and say have a question for me we'll throw your name in the hat for the next uh we'll we'll let this go through maybe uh wednesday and then draw a name out of the hat on thursday for people that submit questions and they'll they'll get a through me they'll get a hat or or shirt so i'd like people to kind of engage and interact and give some feedback or ask some questions
1: oh yeah. yeah love that love that uh just uh you know, somebody who's also dealt with some uh, mental health struggles. I'm always open to hearing new skills, man. So I'm looking forward to you coming back. Well, appreciate <laughs> I think you're your use it own. as a personal therapy session, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we will have you back. Sawyer, where can they find you? Um, what's your website?
2: Uh, my anyway, website Twitter? is simply my name, www.sawyernicks.com. Also on Twitter at Sawyernix. S-A-W-Y-E-R. N I
1: X. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Sawyer, we look forward to having you back. Uh we'll wait till JC gets uh his self, you know, back together again. Hopefully <laughs> he's still got some power. But either way, we're gonna roll on through and right. uh well, we thank see you at the end, sir. We appreciate having you. Thank you right. Bye. Bye bye. All right, everybody, we're going to roll some ads and we will see you right after this break.
3: If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you. With that. She's married to a die Our Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue, contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email csearfoss at com C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864 414 5271, Sydney Sear of Caldwell, Banker King.
0: Gamecocks.
1: Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests.
3: Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly.
1: Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah,
3: I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number?
1: Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com.
3: Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me.
1: Yeah, I bet. (laughs)
3: I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
4: These folks are incredible. iHelpconsulting.com. How can I help you?
3: Let's say you need catering, you need a food truck, you just need to get some delicious food to feed some people. Nana's Porch is the place for you. I, I've known Chris, the owner, for years now. Uh, they helped with the Big Spur Golf Tournament. Uh, catering it. It was delicious. I highly encourage you uh, to go visit nanasporch.com. That's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services, their menu items, everything you may need for your event. The professionalism, the food, the taste, uh, it's unrivaled. Uh, In this space, 336-259-7550 is the phone number. Or again, go to nanasports.com. We talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast. But I wanted to tell you about it right here, straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you. uh, And please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a proud
1: sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Alright, welcome back everybody to Inside the cops the show We yeah. saw so your Knicks being on with us and uh, look forward to having him back
3: Yeah, uh, can you hear me Phil?
1: We are loud and clear sir, you are back in full force
3: Okay, full force, full force. Yes. Uh, okay, so everybody's going to have to bear with us um, <laughs> The internet's out of the crib So I am now streaming this show on my iPhone hotspot. And so it may it may get a little jumpy, but uh, I'm sure Phil's Internet's fine. But uh, mine is a little jumpy there. Um, and so we'll we'll do the best we can. Thanks to Sawyer Nix. We certainly appreciate him for coming on. It was very interesting. Uh, I hate that I cut out like that, especially after what happened Friday. But that's like I said, that's how, how it goes when you when you stream from the crib. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Nana's, Nana's Porch Chat Line. Uh, Steve says, I don't see any reason why dude Doty can't be the type of quarterback Connor Shaw was for the Gamecocks. Cox. not saying he'll be an all time great, but style wise, very similar. Yeah. He's the type of guy Doty that can run out on a third down, that kind of thing. So it's, um, it's just one of those things. Um, so I think that's a uh, pretty good. Did you lose me there, Phil?
1: No, you're here, man. You're here.
3: Oh, yeah, okay, good, good, good. Yeah. I was just wondering because I got the little circle on your video. Um, uh, Will uh, talks about Jay. All right, so Jalen Bradford, J- Jaden Bradford, Jaden Bradford. Mm-hmm. I can't even get his name right, JC. Uh, but um, okay, so the quarterback from Schaefer, So he, Here's what I know. I so South Carolina had him as a 2024 target. Was a guy that they really liked and all this other stuff and and it, it, my understanding is it's not it's Jaden Bradford, Jaden Bradford it's not that he went to IMG, it's Dante Reno uh, being in the class and Tanner Bailey being there and they took a Juco kid and they took uh, they have Braden Davis and uh, Penn State where uh, John Scott Jr. Uh, is the assistant coach which you remember he was at Carolina for one year and is from the state. He's got a great relationship with the kid and his family. And they came in and they said, oh, it loved him up, made him a priority. It's, it's Penn State, for goodness sake. It's a hell of a program. Um, and so I, I think that when one school makes a quarterback the far away number one guy or the, the target or a priority and another school maybe doesn't, you know, that's what happens. Um and uh, I'm not saying South Carolina can't turn it around. I mean, he's a, a big Gamecock fan and, and, you know, it was kind of a, a layup, but, you know, coaches are paid to make decisions. And if they made the decision that they wanted Reno way over Bradford, which they took Reno's commitment and Reno's got a heck of an arm, then, um, you know, that's just kind of what you get paid to make those decisions for and what you're judged on. Uh, I'm not saying that, One's going to be better than the other. I like them both. I was very high on Bradford. It was much higher on Bradford than maybe the other quarterback in South Carolina. That's got all the hype. And now he went back to North Carolina. This the, he was number one for a while and then and I don't know, dropped or whatever. And then when, you know, I, I was, I always thought Bradford was a better player. He probably more raw and not as much of a finished product at the time, but I, I thought he's more of a player. So uh, to me, kind of like Carmelo Taylor, who also I'm about to become a Penn State fan now, Phil, because <laughs> I know, right? you can see Bradford throwing to Carmelo Taylor here in a couple of years. Those are those are my favorite guys, you know, from a player standpoint. Um so uh yeah, um so so my last word, last word I got was Penn State's probably getting him. So uh I, in fact, I'll probably change my crystal ball on that here in a second. So uh, that's the deal there. Clint Morrison says Lenora Sellers wouldn't be a bad fallback option for this class. Uh, I love Lenora Sellers. I, I think he's really good. And I think some other schools are going to come in on him before all is said and done. Uh, if the Gamecocks don't, it'll be somebody maybe like a Florida state, somebody like that. Uh, big Slamma Jamma. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that name, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: Phil and JC, uh, big fan of the podcast. And now the show do y'all know if the new sound system is scheduled to be installed prior to the start of the season? The answer to that is yes.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, I think they're
3: testing it and all that stuff as we speak and good Lord, it was needed, man, because you had literally like one speaker that kind of was under the big scoreboard responsible for the whole stadium or, or kind of a couple and, man, I sat under that speaker one time during the spring game, and when there's no crowd, you, your ears bleed. And it's like – you don't, you don't even want the – it was during the spring game, so you're not really pulling for anybody, right? But I was just kind of hoping they wouldn't get first down so that dude wouldn't yell in my ear. It wasn't him yelling. It's just so loud over there. And so uh my understanding is there's little speakers throughout the stadium. It's going to be night and day different. It needed to change. I think the uh, – the, uh, Audio at Colonial Life Arena should be next. But, uh, <laughs> uh but like, I'm uh, that's that's kind of a 2017 complaint, you know, for me. But, uh, uh, and he said, heard about the updates to the lights. Yeah. LED lights, ribbon boards, all that good stuff. Daddy O was at the, at the stadium when Marcus Lattermore went down against the falls. Stadium went silent like it was a funeral. I was also there in 89 when Todd Ellis got hurt. Uh, and that happened toward the beginning of the game. I was actually late. Walking up the ramp, the game had started, and all of a sudden I heard silence. And that's what happened there.
1: That was Uh, surreal watching it on TV, uh, when Marcus went down. Just you're just like Uh, oh
3: and he was (laughs) he was having like like he didn't have his best game against LSU or Florida, the two previous games. Uh but he was running all over Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like it was unreal and Gosh, went out having that kind of a game. Whew, still upsets me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, mental. Uh, Greg says mental concentration is not easy, and it's supremely important. Senior leadership is important for that. I agree with you, Greg. That's why coaches preach leadership all the time. Because when you're out there in the heat of things, and you got that guy on your team that you know, you know, you can count on that's going to keep everybody calm. You know, that's been there before. I think if you're a younger player, you're less ner- less nervous. Um, Craig adds a couple of things about Reno being a hell of a recruiter. He is Pup Howard. You know, it's kind of funny. It's like there's a lot of panic about Pup Howard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess he changed out his uh, something on his Instagram, and uh, it was his commit video to South Carolina, and now it's something else. And and th- th- this is why you don't really. Don't read too much into social media, folks. Um, you know, I mean, that's uh, – and and Pup, everybody started talking about him. You know, and the Florida fans on Twitter obviously want him to flip. Um, I don't even know. I, I don't think he's even considering a flip. But somebody said something about, like, South Carolina is just a placeholder, and he responds respectfully. I have offers from everybody in the country. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's like, respectfully, you know. It could have
1: gone um, and, anywhere, and,
3: and pup is obviously recruiting Xavier McLeod and all that, and Reno as well. So they, you know, look. It's not about Dante Reno for me when it comes to Jalen for Jaden Bradford. It was just more about who I thought Jaden Bradford was. I, I thought, really, if they could, I don't know if they could get Reno to reclassify, I me mean, twenty twenty three. Uh, then you go get Bradford. That would have been the ideal scenario, but I. I You know, I just I think maybe the the number of quarterbacks they've gotten, including this walk on out of California, is really good too. Phil, he's not like your at normal normal walk on. I mean, he he could be he could be the best. He could be one of the he he could be a starter. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say that guy has the tools if he develops to South Carolina to be a starting quarterback in this league. Um, And so maybe maybe they kind of look at that and you know, Penn State took two quarterbacks who were really good in this past class. Um, But maybe they're skipping a year and they're telling him he's going to be the guy or whatever. It'd be the first uh state of South Carolina quarterback to start at Penn State since Wally Richardson back in uh, the 90s. He is from Sumter. And that was back when Carolina lost, routinely lost in-state players to places like Penn State. Uh, And that's changed as well. So uh obviously that's good. So that's Nana's porch chat box certainly do uh appreciate all the chatters coming in uh and phil you know uh, xavier while we're on the recruiting subject oh, we'll talk about right <laughs> we'll talk about xavier mcleod for the 2000 i think it's i said it's xavier mcleod decision part 2758 yeah. well let's call this 2758b
1: I <laughs> know <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's interesting like, JC the climate now too I mean talking about social media just because we get to see what these guys are thinking and you know there's obviously people engaging them for their team and all of this other stuff but you just crazy. watch these kids just you know fighting that stuff back and fending it off and you know I don't know we know he doesn't like Clemson that came out this weekend
3: <laughs> yeah well I, 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 yeah. that's actually been out Phil they yeah. he he had a Clemson letter at his Mailbox and tech and took a picture of it and said, "I don't want any more letters from Clemson." Blah blah blah. <laughs> they Clemson didn't offer it. so that's probably. why well, there's a bit of butt hurt there. Um, <laughs> which is fine. It's okay to have butt hurt and have a chip on your shoulder and all that, and it endears them to Carolina fans. But uh okay, so look, I don't really have anything to add to the new Georgia info and the intel over there that. Uh, You know, Rusty Manziel, Steve Wilfong seem to think there's some Georgia talk and some momentum there. Uh, I'll say this. uh, I don't discount what those guys say because I have immense respect for both of them. I consider them friends. I consider them peers in this business. Uh, I'm not trying to say they don't know what they're talking about uh, because I'm guaranteeing you they're getting it from someone. I just know that on South Carolina's end and on a couple of other areas, it would be um, surprising if he did not pick the guys. <laughs> I'll just – I'll put it that way. Now, could we be, like, relying on info from 24 hours ago and something has changed and all that? Yeah. And i also say this about Xavier McLeod. Uh, Phil, I know why Georgia wants him.
1: Uh, um, yeah. think
3: about George's yeah. defense. He's 324 pounds, right?
1: Yep. And you Gotta that, have somebody in the middle. Need a nose.
3: You gotta have a nose. And guys, I'm telling you, it is very hard to find those guys. Uh, Jordan Davis was great for them last year, right? And, and for those of you that don't know, Jordan Davis was a three-star offensive lineman <laughs> coming <laughs> out of high school. Okay, <laughs> I actually saw him play when he was a sophomore. He was just big. Wasn't anything like you saw. Mm-hmm. Uh Tennessee, who under Jeremy Pruitt ran that same type of defense fill. The Game starting left tackle, Jalen Nichols, Tennessee recruited him heavily as a potential zero technique big guy. And he's about 6'5, 320. Um so with Xavier already being 320, I think I think that's what they really like about him, and he's a quick kid for that size. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see why Muschamp, Champ and those guys want him. Um, I also know that you know South Carolina needs to win this recruiting battle, and I think (laughs) I think that you know based on behind the scenes, I mean, and I've been pretty confident Carolina was getting him for all but about 24 hours, right? Hmm. Um, and and I know that if, if all if if the limit of your knowledge about Xavier McLeod is what you think you're interpreting on social media. Uh, you're wrong. You're wrong. I mean, I'm, and I, and look, I don't, I, I love the fact that fans can go kind of follow them and formulate their own opinion and still care enough about recruiting to talk about it and <laughs> all this stuff and, and, and all that. I, I think it's great because I, I really appreciate the um, you know, the, the passion for recruiting because, you know, shoot, we've got um, the big started primarily as a recruiting site. Now we're a full service media outlet now yeah, somebody talked. Somebody said something they complaining about baseball, and they're like, "I don't know why." As one of our members, I don't know why a uh, website for football and recruiting talks about baseball and covers it because we're not a website for football and <laughs> recruiting. We're we're, a, we're a, a Gamecock Media outlet, man, just like the state or anybody else, right?
1: Full service, just um, like just like Now, you.
3: Just like, uh, now <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a journalist anymore. Just me personally, I I kind of. Like I said before, I you know these days I'd rather not be, just to be honest, because uh, I think I think the profession has been sullied a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd rather not be. I'd rather just be a personality, make you guys laugh, run my collective, don't talk to recruits, all that kind of thing. Because that 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 part of my career is pretty much over. But uh, at the same time, you know, the spur.com is you know with people like Whittle and Tony and uh, Hale and Alex that work for me, those guys are all journalists. They're pros. I mean, they're just like the guys that work anywhere else um, except they interact on the message boards with you guys and, uh, and all that. So uh, I feel like, you know, um, that, that, that kind of, Oh, it's a recruiting message board. It's sort of getting lost these days, but at the same time, recruiting, I'd I'd be dumb to tell you that recruiting is not a huge part of what we do a huge part of what we cover. And uh, I appreciate the passion, but if you were just looking at Xavier McLeod's social media and you think that you know where he's going, uh, you're wrong. Even if he goes to Georgia, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and there'll be some behind the scenes on this stuff. I, I'm just saying, because, you know, we have some guys that are posters on our site, one in particular that, that kept talking about the kid going to Alabama or Georgia and you know, oh, and then Bama Bam didn't even make the top six. And it, it, it's just I, I understand where if the scope of your knowledge is uh, either following him on social media or, God forbid, some of you guys sit there and ask direct questions to the player. Do you really think he's going to tell you? where um,
1: he's? Really? And <laughs> um, you know, especially if he's
3: trying to build suspense. But and, and they're like, oh, yeah, if that's the extent of where you're coming from, you don't know the whole story. Um, and that's not to offend anybody. I still want you to continue to follow the kids on social media. That's that's part of a cool thing about being a recruit right now. But don't don't think, don't think that you know the whole story. <laughs> Very few people put the whole story out on social media, guys. Yeah, um,
1: and more than likely, you're not going to be able to influence their decision with your post. <laughs> no, no, and and, <laughs> man,
3: and, and and then there's not a lot of Gamecock fans, but some I've seen some fans of other schools. You know, they're like tweeting a kid. Bruh, yeah. bruh, bruh. Just make your decision. Uh, whatever's whatever's best for you, man. We want you to call cool, it you do what's best for you, like you're their friend. And then the kid, the kid picks another school, and some of the most vile, it's hateful, just, yeah. disgusting, it's so <laughs> disturbing bullshit comes out of their mouth. And I think I can say bullshit here because it's not a I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, if Josh Steddings. If your if your son's listening, I apologize, <laughs> uh, but it, it's just awful. It's it's terrible. So I, uh, I I always am concerned about that when you when you have these people that you know think that they're part of the process with this kid on social media, and, and they're not. They're, you're not important. Believe me. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. You're not even in the top. 2000 people that have any kind of say in that decision. So uh, I don't care how hard you tweet and you can click your heels together and wish upon a star and uh, all that good stuff. And, you know, those of you that are out there that, uh, you know, disguise yourself as media or whatever and I'm, I'm fine with you too, uh, you know, same thing. You're about 2003 as far as how you can influence the decision. Uh, and so there's that there. But um, nevertheless, just wanted to uh, go into that. I still think Carolina's getting him. Could I be wrong? Of course. Uh, i feel bad if I was. You know, I'd be like, ah, it sucks. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've covered it long enough to know there's never a sure thing. Um, I'll never forget. I'll tell the story a lot. The Travian Robertson commit the night before he was all Clemson. One of the Clemson writers said 100% to Clemson. Uh, and after that, because he got, got up and committed to Carolina and signed with Carolina, I don't think anybody in the business ever went 100% again. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, always, it's always 99, baby. You always got to give yourself that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Phil, this Elijah Davis kid from East Mississippi Junior College who was at Wagner Sally coming out of high school. Right now, I think he's a better prospect than McLeod. Uh, I really think it'd be great if those were the two defensive yeah, if you tackles. You could take
4: both. Guys, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Take yeah, both, and
3: they're, they're probably going to take two. So I think that would be good. Um, and, and my overall feel with sort of some of the talk here and there is that you know there's there's some building of suspense taking place, <laughs> which is fun because that's uh, uh, I, I don't complain about building of suspense because it's good for me. <laughs> that, mean, that means more of you are glued to the website uh, when he right. commits or, or yeah. whatever. So, all right. So we're going to get through the second half of the schedule provided my hotspot holds up. Thank you to Apple.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. It's going <laughs> <For doing> well. <laughs> and, hey
3: man, I, I have to apologize. I forgot once again to say this and I'm, I'm I need to, uh, I need to start building it in Phil. Our mm-hmm. number one was sponsored by Sydney Searfoss, Cole, Banker Kane, uh, in Greenville, you've heard the commercial. That's great. Hour number two uh, is presented exclusively by the Burgess team at Remax from the Lake. Uh, also, the guest line, uh, Meredith Taylor, uh, golf lessons, uh, uh Because of the power outage last Friday, we didn't have a chance to catch up with Meredith. We're catching up with her this Friday. Uh, folks, like I said, you want to get good at golf, uh, go to org. She's the exclusive sponsor of the guest line. And I have to start remembering that because I think it's about, I think we've done seven shows and I've maybe forgotten it four times. That's, that's un- inexcusable. I think I got kind of thrown <laughs> off by the, um, by the, uh, the fact I've got to deal with this and be on the hotspot right now. Uh, yeah, but anyway,
1: we'll do better. We'll do. Better.
3: Yeah. We're going to go ahead and get to the, uh, what's Elijah Davis's size. Now Craig says rivals
1: um, has him at six, four, 300. I think he's about six, six, three and a half, three Oh five is is
3: what I've seen. Uh, Craig said he heard two months ago. McLeod was definitely leaving the state. Uh, a lot of people heard that Craig, but they weren't right. (laughs) 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 Um, you know, we'll figure all that out. Uh, we'll, uh, you know, like I said, the behind the scenes, uh, is probably not as interesting as some of you guys think it's going to be like, it's not wild, but, uh, the behind-the-scenes is telling, so we'll see sort of what happens there. All right, we're going to get to the break. Uh, and, and, Craig, look, I've, I've heard some of the same things you have coming from this people that – I'll just say this. I've I've had reason to believe that he was going to Carolina for a long time, and some of the leaving the state comments and the, this comment and the, that comment did not coincide timeline-wise with what I'm hearing sometimes in the matter uh, the matter, uh, you know, with hours. sometimes it's like an hour later and you'd hear that. So, um, and look, Hey, maybe it's all a bunch of misinformation and uh kid goes to LSU or something. I, who knows? Who knows with that? But uh, uh, like I said, there's no hundred percent, but it's not, um, it's not something I feel uh, negative about at this moment in time. Uh, for the Gamecocks. All right, we're going to hit the break, bottom of the hour, wrapping it up, the final uh, half hour of Inside the Gamecocks, the show, uh, coming back after these messages.
0: Gamecocks. Cox.
3: If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die. Our Gamecock fan has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue, contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email Sirfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at com C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Searfoss of Caldwell, Baker King. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina Very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina... Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org, McKellar spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email's on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services.
4: I help consulting.com. How can I help you?
3: Let's say you need catering. You need a food truck. You just need to get some delicious food to feed some people. Nana's porch is the place for you. I've known Chris, the owner for years now. Uh, They helped with the Big Spur golf tournament uh catering it it was delicious i highly encourage you uh to go visit nanasporch.com that's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services their menu items everything you may need for your event the professionalism the food the taste uh it's unrivaled uh in this space 3362597550 is the phone number or again Go to nanasports.com. We talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast. But I wanted to tell you about it right here, straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you. uh, And please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a
1: proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
3: Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer, Guy?
1: Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests.
3: Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly.
1: Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California.
3: Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number?
1: Yeah, man, I sure do that, or you can go to heritagedigital.com.
3: Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks
1: the show welcome back everybody okay uh, yeah I was just pulling up the AP poll just dropped
3: I know how about that uh, uh loot says can we have the audio levels between you guys talking and the commercials to be the same commercials are loud as hell can we work on that phil I don't know
1: I, uh I will try to work on that um I don't have any. Ability to control it right here while we're live. But I'll see if I can't tone them down here. Um, I have a I, And
3: I may have actually... Uh, I may have actually... That may be my fault when I recorded the the, the uh, commercials. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm probably not... Uh, I'm not one that's... Uh, my, my fiance says I'm deaf anyway. I'm probably not one to... I probably I'm not one to not jack up the levels. How about that?
1: Yeah, same. Um too okay. Many concerts, too many concerts, man.
3: Yeah. <laughs> no. shoot buddy. Uh all right, said so the AP poll is out, Phil. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't have it in front of me. Ryan's uh well, I know
1: Bama's number 1, surprise, surprise.
3: Wow, well, ah, that's <laughs> shocker, right?
2: I know.
3: Yeah. Ohio State 2, Georgia 3, Clemson yeah. 4, Notre Dame 5. All right, so here they—I the, guess the media likes a better than the coaches. Better than the coaches there. do.
1: Yeah.
3: AM six, Utah seventh, Michigan eighth. Michigan, I think, was higher than the other ones. Oklahoma nine, Baylor ten, Oregon eleven, Okie State twelve, NC State thirteen, Southern Cal fourteen, Michigan State fifteen, Miami, Pittsburgh, Wisconsin, Arkansas is higher here. Mm-hmm. They're nineteenth and uh, Kentucky's twentieth. Ole Miss twenty first. So there, Ole Miss ranked. Mm, I don't know, man. They lost seventeen players, seventeen starters.
1: I know, uh, I know. You know, not that you can trust what you know is coming out of Lane's mouth, but it sounds like there's a lot of question marks on that team heading into this.
3: They, they did a lot of good in the transfer portal and got. Oh yeah. Uh, got some players, uh, especially the running back that they got uh, Zach Evans who. Uh, has all the talent in the world, but um, you know, we'll see what happens. Wake is 22nd, Cincinnati 23rd, Houston 24th, and the BYU Cougars 25th. So 23 through 25 is um, you know, uh, future, the future Big 12 there. Bill.
1: That's right. <laughs> uh, Looking into the future. Um,
3: yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say this in the American talking to Phil Steele. Uh, and UCF isn't ranked, and this just kind of shows you like the craziness <laughs> of preseason rankings these days and all. And you know, Phil 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 still uh, dives into the numbers and all that good stuff. So you know, he thinks UCF not only will win the American, uh, he thinks UCF of of the mid major group of five teams that have a chance to win the college football playoff, or, or I'm <laughs> sorry, not win. Let me back up. Go to the college football playoff, i.e. Cincinnati. Now, Phil, Phil was clear. He was on JC and Morgan with us and said, look, we I don't think there's going to be a group of five team in this year, and I tend to agree. Uh, but he said, if there's one, it's UCF, and, and, and I'm going to run this by our friends out there. The quarterback for UCF is uh, a guy named John Reese Plumley. Speaking of Ole Miss, He transferred in from Ole Miss. Now, Plumlee started a little bit uh, during Matt Luke's final year at Ole Miss uh, when Rich Rodriguez was the OC running that offense, which Rich Rod's offense needs a rushing quarterback. What does Malzahn usually do when he has a quarterback that can really, really run? He wins. Yeah, he beats. And he, and he, <laughs> he wins big.
1: Win. Yeah, that's right. He likes and, to and, win. That, and play. Dude, that
3: kid is fast and good. And you know, I know they lost Dylan Gabriel to Oklahoma, but I, I don't think the Gus bus gives a flip. You know, because Plumlee <laughs> is a is the man. And so he mentioned that. And I'm like, huh, oh, that's we could have another national championship that they claim down near Disney, right?
1: <laughs> Self-proclaimed. Uh, we're we're the
3: national champs, guys. Yep, gosh, gosh, UCF. We're so proud of you over here. Oh yeah, gee, that's right. Come on, man. That was we a- just
1: put that to bed and let Buddy Pugh and his crew go in there week one and just knock them down. <laughs> I, hope so. I hope so. I'd love I to hope see that, so. man. I'd love to see. Hey, that. don't put
3: it past SC State to give them a no. the game. I don't know how you stop Plumley in in that particular offensive scheme, but I think I think SC State to put some points up. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, Bennett Swigert, of course, former Gamecock, is the OC there. Buddy Pugh, a former Gamecock assistant, the head coach there. You got reasons to pull for them,
1: South Carolina oh, okay. State,
3: uh, except for that. Uh, what is it? Week four, week
1: five, five, whatever. yeah, mm-hmm.
3: week five when they come to Williams Price. Uh, okay, so not much change there. I'm still not is bullish on A&M being that high. Uh, but and maybe,
1: Texas notably absent off of this list.
3: Yeah, Texas was in the coaches poll. Oh, so yeah. uh, I think the media like saw the kind of protested or what, you know, I, I, I think nice the fact that Texas is in the poll, I'm just going <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> No Florida or Florida State. That's not a surprise. No. Miami's up there, though. Uh, Ryan points out on the Nana Sports chat line, first Kentucky preseason rankings. is 1978. Whew. The Wildcats.
1: At that this basketball guy, school.
3: Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't talk about Coach Cal showing his bahunkas. I mean, really, dude? I'm like, ah, for somebody who lost to St. Peter's with – How many NBA draft picks are? uh, Oh my gosh. Lottery. You know, and and our future lottery picks. You lost to to the Mighty Peacocks of St. Peters. And that's not the first time something embarrassing like that's happened to Kentucky. So Mm
2: I don't know. I don't know. Um,
3: But certainly, uh, you know, with regards to UK this year, at Florida and then at Ole Miss. So. And that's before they play Carolina at home, and then they got three cupcakes. So which they always do. So they'll at least be three and two, maybe a little better. I believe uh, the Carolina game, Phil, is, on October eighth is the SEC home opener in Lexington for those guys. Um, but if yeah, they can go, <laughs> if they go knock off Florida and Ole Miss, uh, hey, look out! That team, that team's pretty good. Now. Uh, and they're starting running back Chris Rodriguez. He's sort of pseudo suspended. It seems to be like a, a a state secret up in Kentucky, you know. Uh, so I don't know how long he'll be out. <laughs> Chances are, uh, it, 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 I, my gut feels like it, it's going to be some sort of like five game suspension,
1: <laughs> where he
3: comes back for the South Carolina game. Right? Yeah. Just the uh, that's division. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig says he thinks uh, Utah is going to be a problem this year. I agree. Same. Are they are they are they good enough to win in the swamp? Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Georgia. Uh, the first year they won the SEC under Rick. And keep in mind, Georgia—it was o2 Georgia, Georgia—they had split the divisions up. Uh, actually, I think that was their, that was their first SEC title since the '80s. It was 20 years. They went through quite a drought with championships in Athens. Um, and they went to Alabama to play. Gosh, who was it? Fran or? Shula, or one of those guys was coached, maybe, DeBuck, probably, I think Fran. This was 02. Um, it was Fran, it was Fran, and uh, Pat Dye gets on bomb, of course, and says, George is not man enough to go win that game. And, and Georgia actually threw a last minute touchdown past to a guy named Michael Johnson and won in Tuscaloosa. And man enough, that's what all the dogs said. So, my question about Utah is. It, are the are the Utes man enough to go in to the swamp for a season opener? Where you know, keep in mind it's Napier's first game, emotions are going to be high. There'll be a big crowd. There's a top ten opponent coming to town. That I can't remember the last time Florida had an out of state top ten opponent coming to their ball yard. Uh, place is going to be nuts off the ch- off the chisel, right? <laughs> and uh, is Utah man enough to go in there and beat them? Because uh, I don't I don't know that there will be very many points in that game either. I, I think Florida, will, I think Utah is probably going to make some mistakes offensively <laughs> uh, <laughs> in that environment. Uh, it's going to be hotter than you know what and humid. Very sticky compared to the – I've been to Salt Lake City in the summertime until it's beautiful.
1: I've never been to Salt Lake. Never been there. Mm-mm.
3: It's uh, I went out when I worked for ESPN – uh, a couple of times uh, for something called an all poly camp. It was pretty cool. There's mm-hmm. Polynesian kids. They fly in from like Samoa. <laughs> right? And, then, and there's a, there's a big uh, uh, Samoan population in Salt Lake as well, but it's man. Oh
2: God. Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, cause you, you're flying in from 98% humidity down South and 95 degrees. And it's 72. And there's a gentle breeze blowing mm-hmm. off the Rocky mountains. And then if you go up to park city, man, you need a sweatshirt. Because it's a higher elevation,
1: right? Oh yeah. So, the, mm-hmm. so
3: those boys have been practicing out there in the higher. I mean, unless they did something like the Junction Boys and Kyle Whittingham took them to the desert, <laughs> uh, they got to go down to that ninety eight percent humidity. <laughs> <laughs> that, those
1: guys, it's going to be an and, adjustment. Uh,
3: they got and they got some big old boys on that Utah team. Some of them are Samoan, you know. <laughs> so it's uh, I don't know. It's going to be it, it, that you know. So that's my question: about is Utah man enough? To go in there and win, man, enough.
1: It's interesting, though. You think if they drop that game, they still have every opportunity whatsoever to make the playoff. You just got to, you know, run through the Pac 12.
3: Yeah. And they got to beat Southern Cal. But I mean, no. that they, but they went to that well a couple of times last year. Yep. Mm hmm. And that that was not the same Southern Cal they're going to face this season no. <laughs> by any shot. But I, I tell you, Utah making the playoff this year would not surprise me. And if they beat Florida. I think you got to talk about it. I think you, I think you do. I think uh, they have cycled up here this little bit. It, it sucks. the The, the Pac twelve situation sucks for them and their conference. But if that conference remains intact and Utah doesn't say go to the Big Twelve with BYU, I. I think the Utes are going to be a force to be reckoned with for a long time. I think.
1: Oh, yeah. Utah and Oregon. That's all you got left.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, really. That's that's about it. Uh, Ed says, which game do you feel is most winnable? Arkansas, Kentucky, or Tennessee? Of those three right now, because Tennessee's at home, I'm going to say Tennessee. If you were playing all three on a neutral field, I'd I'd probably go with Kentucky. But I don't know, you know, because Kentucky, Kentucky's going to have a – a good defense, right? Mm-hmm. Arkansas should have a good defense. They get some really good individual defensive players, but they lost a lot. Tennessee not gonna have a very good defense this year at all. <laughs> at all. <laughs> From yeah, what I am
1: looking very similar to last year. Yeah. If they yeah, can't put I mean, up the points that they did, then they're they they're gonna
3: have to, to put up,
2: up
1: points. <laughs> so,
3: but but on a neutral field, I'd I'd probably say I would give uh, Kentucky the, the, the edge of if, if it were, if, because th- this game's at home this year. I'm going with Tennessee because you, you have to think the home field, you know, offenses tend to play better at home anyway. You can, you know, that's got to be good for some stops and then you got to hope the Gamecock offense uh, does its part. I, I still believe, and, and it's uh, one of my rules of football, the best way to beat a team like Tennessee is with your offense, not your defense. You just run it and, keep them off the field and it takes care of itself. Uh, We all remember the five straight win over Clemson. That's, that's kind of what happened. Quantrell goes, if Reno reclassifies, will they still go after Bradford, the IMG quarterback? He's ultra talented. Uh, We addressed this earlier. Quantrell. No, I I think he's going to Penn state as of right now. Um, Will they still go after him? I I would think so, but uh, you know, they, that, when you're looking at Reno versus Bradford, it's a very tough call, I think. I think probably why they went with Reno, if, if that was it. And I don't know that it was an either or. I think it was maybe first of, you know, Reno was looking ready to commit. And I think you got to get Dante Reno committed as soon as you can, because his word gets out about him, he's from the Northeast. Uh, no, no, re, no regional ties. Those kids, if Notre Dame comes calling, they're going to think. If Penn State comes calling, they're going to start thinking. Now, he's firmly committed now, uh, and, I, and I expect him to stay that way. But you, you, when you're talking about how early to accept a commit, you, you accept his, uh, I think, just because proximity to campus, that type of thing, and, and, and the chances of keeping him uh, committed. Um, by the way, speaking of Arkansas, we're going to talk a little Arkansas next week, hopefully with an Arkansas expert. Phil, I think we're going to break down the second half of that schedule probably tomorrow.
1: Okay,
3: I'm going to put that to tomorrow, and I'm sorry I missed it because I have not gotten to the iHealth Consulting mailbag. That's then. right. Um, had some good news in the mailbag this week. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that comes through. <laughs> Uh, Phil knows what I'm talking about. There's two ways to get into the IHOP Consulting Mailbag. First and foremost, you can tweet at us at the Spur Pod, and then you can also uh, email insidethegamecox at gmail.com. So Friday we we were off because of something, um, uh, you know, oh, wow. Marshawn Lloyd said Lavoisier Carroll reminds him of Alvin Kamara. That's awesome. Oh, that's um, not
1: bad news. <laughs> uh, no, that's not bad
3: air. You know, so, so that's good. But um, all right. So there we go. Uh, people tag me and all this stuff and it, it clutters me up. Here we go. Um, all right. So got Pastor also, and no, actually, the Carolina Faithful says, better hurry up and get the Winer line started. Going to need it if we have any more decommits probably talking about the, the Jaden Robinson situation. And, and, look, I got more clarity on, like, who they're going to pursue at linebacker, kind of what the plan is there. I mean, I, I love Jaden Robinson as a player, but if this works out, I don't I don't know, you know. <laughs> I'm kind of like, well, six of one, have a dozen of another, wow, you know.
1: Well, you got to um, figure he was the shakiest one, you know. I mean, I feel pretty solid about everybody else, as solid as you can be about a recruit at this point, but, you yeah. know.
3: Exactly, and once Florida offered him the day before, I almost feel like the clock was ticking. Yeah. Uh, so, Gamecock Pastor, while we weren't on, uh, you know, thanks <laughs> to you, we were at this game, Phil. I Me and you That's sat right. in different seats, but uh, the 2001 Clemson game, um, Gamecock Pastor was inspired by you and watched the whole thing. Also, a nice tribute to, to Phil Petty, for the late former Gamecock quarterback. By the way, great. Great stuff from Shane Beamer and, and from the whole entire football program on that, I, I think. I mean, that There's
1: was stuff crazy. like that from him, man, that makes me want to just run down there and be like, even though I'm 41 years old, say, hey, i still got four years.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, that, that drew, that what do dream, you mean? <laughs> dream comes true, man. You're like, ah. Oh. I'm like, me and, me and Phil sign up and we're walk-ons. That's well, right. Yeah. We get, you know, knocked in the next week by somebody. It's oh, like, well, my mean, poor Phil. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I broke my-
3: <laughs> gang got past her again. He goes, I know it's going to be discussed, but I have to be safe and ask the question just in case. As if the recruiting negativity wasn't enough to sour the weekend, the injury report from Bieber will do it. Hearing anything that's calls for major concern. No. Uh, not a, the, the major concern injury-wise I have right now. And that's, this is me though. And we, we've been through enough, all of us together on injuries to know. It, 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 you know, until you get the all clear until the game starts, you know, you always got to raise an eyebrow, right? Cause coaches just don't talk about it. I mean, they just don't, they're not going to address it. They're not going to talk about it. And, uh, so, so here's the deal. Um, I'm going to – I believe, uh, you know, Beamer, Beamer doesn't necessarily get out there and lie about things. You know, maybe he's a little overly optimistic on certain – some of them last year, but he's not trying to mislead anybody. Uh, I think as of the latest report, everybody's supposed to be back. My understanding is that it's not – you know, even Marshawn Lloyd on Twitter said, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> not a big deal. And, by, and there's an article on the thebigspur.com. We just retweeted from Hale where he updates it. So he, they talked to Marshawn today at media. Um, but look, when you see that many significant guys sidelined, of course. Uh, but like Phil and I said at the top of the show, Pastor, it's better to have them sidelined for a scrimmage than for a game, right? So that's good. Uh, Noah says, J.C. and Philly. Philly. Uh Maybe I should make that work. Yeah, <laughs> my name to Motown, dude. Like Mo,
1: Mo, Mot- <laughs> Motown.
3: What do you think about the possibility of RJ Roderick being a breakout player this season? He has plenty of in-game experience, is surrounded by good DBs, and as a fifth-year player, should have a physical edge over younger players. My main concern is if he is still the weak league, offensive <laughs> coordinators <laughs> might go after him aggressively with their best receivers. Uh, Noah, that's a great point. I think uh, opposing offensive coordinators are going to go after him with their best receivers if they possibly can, until he proves he can cover.
1: Yeah, that's, that's exactly <laughs> that's how I would plan then, it. Yeah, now,
3: now <laughs> I'll, I'll say that right now, it, it, respectfully about RJ, because I, I think the guy, you know, coming back, sticking to it, playing hard, never count out a player, especially a guy that old. That's. Um, Had moments, you know, not saying he hadn't. And I know, look, I I watched the Florida game in 2020 when it was almost like Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson were like, throw it here. (laughs) (laughs) Throw it at 10. Uh, Wherever 10 is, you find that guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, but I thought he was better last year. I think it's important for him to have a good year against the run. I mean, one of my biggest problems with, you know, sort of his game at times is he doesn't wrap up. And he's a physical player. He goes in there 100 miles an hour, but fundamentally he needs to wrap up. Shoot, wrap up. Wrap up, RJ. <laughs> yeah. Do a little spur. Yeah. Wrap up, RJ. Shoot. <laughs> get, him, get him, hit him. Get him. Got a tag. get him down. Get him down. Get him down. <laughs> um, that's been kind of more my issue with him than, than anything else is, is that. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know that the safeties are going to be – amazing in coverage this year, but I think there's guys at corner and nickel. They're going to be able to cover pretty damn good. So that's, uh, that's my feeling on the secondary this year, but like, look, Phil, uh, I look back on, in like the Holtz era, um, Antoine Neesmith, Willie Offered, and Rashad Faison were not coverage gurus. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, and that would knock the hell out of you. <laughs> they, had, they
3: had two corners uh, in Sheldon Brown and Andre Gubbin that were yeah. really, really good. And so, mm-hmm. uh, so that was that. Of course, you know, maybe you didn't have the talent at, at OC that you face these days. I mean, because. I do remember Steve Spurrier lit up that defense twice. <laughs> <laughs> you just throw it to twenty; <laughs> he can't cover a bucket of water. Uh, anyway, so that's the deal there. Shane says, "I have seen it. hey f- Shane. His last name starts the P. So it's not Shane Beamer emailing us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey fellas, I have seen the videos regarding the new LED lights that were installed. But has anyone seen what the new video ribbons inside the stadium look like? Uh Whittle and those guys have. They say they look great." This has been a needed upgrade for decades. I can't wait to check it out in person. Love the show and thanks in, in advance, Shane Phillips. Uh, Phil, I heard it was going to be like a night and day type of experience inside Williams Price with all, all the the new lights and sound system and stuff.
1: Yeah, it should be with everything that's being added. It is. It's going to be like a totally different experience. Can't wait.
3: I can't <laughs> wait. <either>. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, well, there's the email about our potential exciting new sponsor. Though, oh yeah. Uh, Woodleaf comes in, encouraged by the O-line play. I think the pass rush from the D-line can come around once Birch gets back in the groove of things. Yeah, I mean, look, one scrimmage. Uh, sounded like the ta- offensive tackle pretty good day. sounded like the pass rush was not what it should be. Uh, you know, uh, of course, the defense won the day, so it's hard to kind of complain. But, uh yeah, they're without Birch. Uh, I think the concern more – Maybe from who I thought is, you know, who, who's the where's the depth coming from as far as that goes? Uh, he says the red zone offense is concerning, but we're missing both Lloyd and bill Smith. Both guys will play huge roles in the red zone. How did the safety play look with Rocker? Can read? Uh, didn't hear anything bad about it, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's about all I know. I don't, you know, they got to keep this top secret. So, Mitchell, to round out the iHealth Consulting mailbag, iHealth Consulting, how can I help? This is J.C. and Phil. Hope all is well. I had a two-part question regarding the worst teams in South Carolina football history. I don't think I ever asked this before, but for 1998, 99, how did they lose 21 in a row? And was it more coaching or was it more administration? Speaking of which, if there was a college football playoff featuring the worst Gamecock teams, who do you think comes out of the following uh, as the worst? 98, 99, 2015, or 2020? I think 2015 probably wins that because once Sean Elliott took over, that team started playing at its full potential. I don't know. They lost to Citadel and that sucked, but they almost knocked off A&M on the road. They almost knocked off Clemson to play for a national title. They almost knocked off Tennessee in Knoxville. Uh, They did beat Vandy. Uh, I think that team played, like I said, to its potential. 98 was a bust. 99, that team was decimated by injuries and was a bust, especially on offense. And then 2020, you know, they're playing with 55 guys half the time, so I'd have to go with 2015 (laughs) on that. How did the Gamecocks lose 21 in a row? Well, all right, I'll take about 97. The Gamecocks had a pretty good team in 97. Uh, They beat Kentucky at home. Um, Really, so they go to the orange crush. Cause it used to be every year they play Tennessee, Florida, Clemson last three games. Right. And you're like, okay. So they go to Knoxville and, and guess what? We talked about injuries. Guess who gets hurt? Anthony, Wright, The quarterback uh, game guys actually played a pretty inspired game. That game, they lost 22 to seven to, I believe Peyton Manning was still there. Uh, it was a, Pretty hard-fought ball game, considering uh, Wright got hurt early, Uh and uh they lost. So then Florida comes to town. Victor Penn took over as the quarterback, and uh, they lost. <laughs> uh So then, uh, you know, they played Clemson, and, and Clemson back then was not like Clemson right now. That That series sort of went back and forth in the 90s. I mean, it, they were – Clemson, uh, they didn't have divisions in the ACC, but they, they weren't even close to FSU at the time. and They'd lose to Wake and stuff every now and then. Tommy West uh, was kind of toward the end of his tenure. It was his second-to-last team. Uh, and then they come to town. Carolina, I remember I was there. I was sitting in East Upper in the middle of the Clemson section. Carolina's up 14-3. to three. Troy Hambrick rushed for a ton of yards, right, uh, in the first half. So it's 14-6 Gamecocks. Brad Scott calls a trick play uh, where they're running. Carolina's running it up their butt, right? They call it calls a reverse pass that it gets picked off. Clemson scores. 14-13 and a half Gamecocks. Next thing you know, it's 47-14 Tigers. Dis- disaster at Williamsburg. I mean, disaster, dude. I mean, it was awful. So, uh, The defense was a problem during the Scott era and uh, Mike McGee, the AD told Brad Scott, he'd have a blank check to go hire whoever he wanted to. If he got rid of Wally Burnham, who was his buddy, well, he wouldn't do it. And his answer was to hire a, an OC from the the early eighties to come in there and run a ball control (laughs) offense in 98. Uh, And they ended up scrapping that mid season. I mean, it was just awful. And, uh, that '98 team couldn't score. They still couldn't stop anybody. That equaled one and ten. And then Lou Lou's, Lou's non-conference schedule did not really lend itself to wins. They played only played eleven games. They played twelve now, uh, and it was North Carolina State on the road, East Carolina, which was really good. They were really good then at home, and then Clemson. So they lost all three. Lost eleven to ten to Vandy, uh, and it was just. Uh, that team was decimated by injuries, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how they lost 21 games in a row back then. Uh, and that's how we've lost all of our time in our show today, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> right there, we ended we, we it on a bad note. That's man. right,
1: yeah, a rough walk down memory lane.
3: by the way, Ryan wants maybe call you pops, Phil Pops
1: Take that! I'll take that. I've looked like pop, this for years.
3: <laughs> we got to get Tim. We got to get Tim Frisbee on the. On the show here. I'd, I'd like to get him on the ah. show. Pop's Frisbee. He's got good takes on Twitter, but he's never been on one of my shows. So I need to, I keep telling him I'm going to do it. So I'll do it. All right. So thank you so much to the Remax team, uh, the purchasing team at Remax by the Lake for sponsoring our number two uh, and all of our sponsors. And also want to thank all of you for cho- chiming in on the Nano Sports chat box. I consulting mailbag. We'll be back tomorrow, Phil. Do we have guests coming tomorrow? Who do we have?
1: We have, even just while we were in the middle of the show, we're going to have Keith also up tomorrow from Locked on the Gamecocks. He will be here at 1130. The Cockfather. Keith also
3: Locked on the Gamecocks podcast. You knew the Cockfather was going to come on the show. Uh, so anyway, we thank you. Thank you guys for listening today. Uh, happy Monday to all of you. We'll be back tomorrow with more Gamecock Talk for Phil Mullinax, J.C. Sherbert. Everyone have a wonderful day.